Mediated Conversation on SAFM. 26 minutes now to nine. Good morning. Yesterday, six men appeared in court accused of the murder of Babita Diakaran two years ago. At the same time, it's now being reported or confirmed actually that the special, special investigating unit is going to properly and fully investigate all of the ways money flowed through the Tembisa Hospital, which is what Diakaran blew the whistle on. As News24 has detailed so clearly, around 1 billion rand flowed through this hospital and was spent on a large network of companies that were controlled by a small group of people. In the end, this resulted in things like skinny jeans being bought by the hospital in the middle of the pandemic. At the same time, it appears justice is moving very slowly. The CEO at the hospital, Dr. Ashley Mtunzi, was finally suspended in August last year. One union, controlled by his wife, then said publicly he should not be suspended. It was only in this month, a full year later, that his disciplinary hearing finally started. It's been postponed. So then, where are we with this investigation? And does the way that the justice system has responded to the death of Karan show that people should blow the whistle on corruption? Firstly, this morning, an update on the case. Are we getting closer to a proper trial for Babita Diakaran? Asina Gori is the SABC reporter who's been working on that case. Then, how the money flowed. Jeff Wicks is the investigative journalist at News24, who's been looking at what exactly happened at Tembisa Hospital. Nishan Bolton is the head of the Ahmed Katrada Foundation. He's been he's been campaigning for justice for Dear Karan, but also for whistleblowers. And then the impact of all of this on patients. Sibongila Chabalala is the national chair of the Treatment Action Campaign. We start then with Hasina Gori from the SABC. Hasina, good morning. Good morning, Stephen. We know six people have been arrested in connection with the murder of Babita Diakaran. Where are we with the case against them? Two years after her passing, we are finally at a stage where we almost at where a trial could begin. We found out last week when the trial was meant to be set down after many trial within trials that uh, there was a need for a postponement as the parties were still finalizing some of uh, the uh, processes. Yesterday when we appeared in court, we find out that the state and the defense have been behind the scenes in negotiations on what seems like a cleaner sentence agreement, which is a section 105A process. Should they come to an agreement on the terms of this, uh, we could see a trial not going forward. A plea agreement basically means that the accused would plead guilty uh, in exchange for a more lenient or lesser sentence or even for some of the charges to be dropped. In the case of the six accused, we know they're currently standing uh, trial for various different uh, charges, some very serious ones, including a murder, attempted murder and conspiracy to commit murder, but also possession of firearms as well. So we're unclear what exactly are the terms of this agreement. And we'll find out next week, Tuesday, which is actually just one day away from the two years when Babita Diakaran was shot down in her home, uh, outside her home in Winchester Hills in Johannesburg. Once that is brought to the judge, the High Court uh, judge will then decide whether or not he accepts that agreement, whether the uh, sentence that has been uh, agreed upon is fair, is not too lenient, Mm. taking into account the seriousness of the crimes committed, but also um, taking into account the characters of uh, those accused as well as whether or not this is their first crime. He essentially uh, will decide on whether or not they agree on that agreement and mm. whether or not a trial will go forward um, or they will just then begin a sentencing process. Presumably, uh, these people, if they did commit the murder, were acting for someone. Do we have any idea at all who was paying them? Who paid them to kill Dia Karan? 
and that is the big question that has been on the minds during the bail application. It was ventilated in affidavits, especially with accused number one, Pagamani, uh, Pagamani Hadebe, uh, who alleges that he uh, was hired and, and named um, a, the high-ranking former um, health minister as well. Keys. I'm going to read from his um, you know, affidavit where he says, I was suffocated uh, during uh, my... I, um, incarceration when I was arrested in Rosettenville and it seemed like I was uh, suffocated and questioned for hours or what seemed like eternity and he says that he was shown pictures during uh, that uh, process of being questioned and uh, and he was asked by the police uh, about the people that they alleged were involved in the actual killing most most significantly he said that a considerable part of the interrogation involved the accusations that they knew that the former health ministers, William Keith, had hired him and others to kill Dear Karen. In his um, affidavit, he alleges that he uh, confessed under duress and that he had never met William Keith, as he said in, in his uh, confessions during his um, arrest. And we haven't had a chance for that to be ventilated because during the bail application process, this is not the time when um, the uh, court will decide whether it was inadmissible or not. So if we do not get into a, a main trial, we might not know who exactly were the paymasters. Sure. And, and we find that these hetmen may be the only uh, people that may stand uh, in a trial or face uh, charges for the actions that they did. Or on the other end, we may find that they will be turning state witness and then there will be a bigger case that will then go after those uh, that were the actual uh, you know paymasters and and who orchestrated the killing so it's unsure yet and we know when closed i think at this point to knowing who exactly you know affirmatively called mm. for the killing of Bavita Diakarin. and hasana very quickly um either way a judge would have to uh, sign off on the plea agreement so i'd imagine a judge would want to, would want to know uh, who paid the money either way it would be hard to imagine that that person would escape a judge would allow that person to escape justice Yes, and, and that's what we'll find out next week, Tuesday, I think, when we go into court, whether or not they even agree on this plea agreement, mm. and, and whether they just go ahead with saying a lesser sentence, they admit guilt, or say that this should be ventilated and tested in court, mm. and, and these allegations, because there were quite a few different allegations, from allegations of them being tortured, from uh, allegations of confessions that were now U-turned on, and, and that need to be tested and, and need to be brought to book. So. It, I think all eyes are on Tuesday to see what unfolds. SABC reporter Hasina Gori, thank you very much indeed. 19 minutes to nine, the time. Continuing your mediated conversation around the Timbisa Hospital, the alleged corruption there, and the assassination of Babita Diakaran. Jeff Wicks is an investigative journalist at News24. Jeff, good morning. Good morning, Stephen. There was a whole network of money and companies that was involved in this. What kind of financial operation was underway at Timbisa Hospital? How was money moving around? So what we found during our investigation was that there was um, an exploitation of the procurement system at Timbisa Hospital in terms of purchasing goods and services, particularly medical equipment. And what Babita Diokaran found before she was assassinated was that there was an immense spike in spending midway through 2021. In essence, 850 million rand had been spent um, in a period of four months, which is something like four times Timbisa's annual budget. Um, and she identified a list of over 200 companies and more than a thousand transactions that she felt were dubious and required further scrutiny. Um, when we started investigating, picking up where she left off and peeled back the layers of anonymity behind these companies, we found that they were in essence only controlled by a handful of people. And so the benefit from these contracts um, was funneled towards only a, less than five people in essence. 
So fewer than five people ended up with almost all of this money, and it's quite a lot of money we're talking about. It's an incredible amount of money. So we we placed the figure at 850 million rand from what we found um, during our investigation. The SIU obviously took that further in their preliminary report and placed that figure in the region of 1 billion rand. We have nearly 100 companies of uh, of those that were flagged by the BTDO Koran that are controlled by five individuals. Um, and that in itself is cause for concern is an ex- and, and, and is extremely suspicious. And it then raises the question as to why, when Babita Diokran blew the whistle initially, the Department of Health in Gauteng did nothing to take her concerns further. And this small group of people, the five of them, what do we know about them? Well, we know they are at the very least prolific businessmen and they will certainly be in the crosshairs of the SIU now that the proclamation is in force. Um, one of them is Hangwani Morgan Marmela, nephew to the president from a previous marriage. Uh, another is a man by the name of Stefan Govind Raju. He controls 65 entities that were on Babita Diokran's list and banked nearly 440 million rand in two years. So this is a significant amount of money that was going to a very small group of people. And when we talk about Mr. Govind Raju, it's important to note that he only entered the scene very late in our investigation. And he did that because he took control of these 65 companies in less than 24 hours, taking over from nearly 30 other people. So it's it's clear at this point that he is the one holding the ball and it remains to be seen whether or not he was actually the controlling mind in those entities all along. Sure. The SIU is now investigating. There's now a fuller proclamation. So as I understand it, they're going to invest pretty much everything. Do you believe they'll be able to trace all of this information and trace the money? You've published your own accounts of it, very detailed. Do you believe they'll be able to do basically what you did, but in legal language? No, certainly. You know, um, the, the nice thing about the SIU is now that they have power of subpoena, the Department of Health in Gauteng cannot obfuscate any further. When they did their preliminary investigation, they were strung along for nearly eight weeks by the Department of Health who refused to divulge documents. Now there's going to be no choice in the matter. And it's certainly very clear that money left Mbisa Hospital and went to these entities. It's now for the SIU to take that further, subpoena their bank accounts and understand where the money flowed thereafter. Jeff Wicks, thank you very much indeed. An investigative journalist at News24, a quarter to nine. Your mediated conversation continues around the assassination of Babita Diakran and what happened at the Timbisa Hospital. Nishan Bolton is the chair of the Ahmed Katrada Foundation. Nishan, good morning. Thanks for your time. Good morning, Stephen. We finally have movement. The SIU is now investigating. There's a huge amount of information that's been published. Do you believe that uh, government, the SIU, the authorities are now actually going to make proper progress on this? And obviously quite a lot will hinge on what happens on Tuesday in court. Now, I'm hopeful on some elements. Um, On on the SIU work, I think there's a track record here and a, a leader that's inspires confidence uh, and now that the, the, the terms have, have, have been clarified and the powers have been, been been given I expect that they will they will they will probe this thing doggedly a year ago when advocate Motiva spoke at the first uh, commemoration meeting of Babita's death he did indicate that they were seeking these powers and that they would do everything possible um, to, to, to get to the bottom of it so, so on that issue, I, I'm a bit more hopeful. The court proceedings, as you've just heard, could go either way. Um, the policing investigations into who might have paid people there 
that's where I'm, I'm, I'm slightly less hopeful in terms of them getting to the bottom of this. Um, I think ultimately the, the work of the SIU in, in uncovering all of the, the companies who benefited um, is where we need to also focus on. Those companies should by now at least have been blacklisted. They, they, they should have stopped working with the provincial government. To the best of my knowledge, they, they, have, they have continued to operate and, and perhaps under different names and so forth. And, and, and that, that, that is an issue of, of serious concern to us. Um, but lastly, is whether or not these practices have spread to all of the other hospitals within the province, I think is, is not under the, pur- the, the purview of any work at the moment. Um, because you can very well imagine, if it was so easy in Tembisa, it's probably, it has probably been replicated in every other hospital, um, perhaps in this province and in the country. And, and that's the scale of the problem that needs to be dealt with. Sure. Um, should the SIU have been given a fuller proclamation earlier? I mean, we've just heard from Jeff Wicks how important the power of subpoena is. It's taken a long time for the president to issue this. It's inexplicable why it has taken this amount of time. My sense is that it has been granted uh, in the run-up to the second death anniversary and because of, of public pressure and public clamor for, for movement on this. Otherwise, I don't think it would have been done. Nevertheless, it has been done, and credit to Jeff Weeks and News24 and others, there is a huge amount of information that is already in the public domain. So it's not as if they would have to be starting from scratch. The SIU has already done preliminary work. So I expect that uh, they, they're, not, they're not starting off from, from, from base zero um, and for this to be done as speedily as possible. We know Babeta Diakaran was killed. We know she blew the whistle on this. We know that no one has yet been convicted nearly two years later. We know, and we don't know what will happen in court next week, but I think there will be concerns, as you've already alluded to, that the um, person who really benefited or the people who really benefited may not pay the price that they should. What message does that send to people who might want to blow the whistle on corruption that they see? I mean, that doesn't seem to be a very encouraging picture for them. I think uh, corruption today is probably the second or third most important priority for South Africans across the board. Um, So there is a sense of appreciation for whistleblowers. I think that needs to be elevated at at a much more higher level in terms of public esteem and recognition. The changes to legislation that are now being deliberated on is an important indicator that for, for greater security and protection for whistleblowers, but I think lastly is when we um, eradicate just the systemic nature of this, it will reduce the need for people to blow the whistle in the first place. And that's the only way that ultimately you deal with uh, the necessity for people to blow the whistle. Nishan Bolton, thank you. From the Ahmed Katrada Foundation. In a moment, Sibongile Chabalala, National Chair of the Treatment Action Campaign. Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Continuing your Mediated Conversation this morning about the corruption, the alleged corruption at Tembisa Hospital and, of course, the assassination of Abita Diakaran. Sibongile Chabalala is the National Chair of the Treatment Action Campaign. Sibongile, good morning. Good morning, Kevin. 
The Gauteng Health Department and the Gauteng Health MEC have both said they want to stop corruption. After everything that's happened at the Timbisa Hospital, the way they've responded to it, uh, Jeff Wicks made the claim that they actually tried to stop having to give documents to the SIU. Do you believe the Gauteng Health Department? Um, honestly, uh, Stephen, uh, it's hard for us as patients to believe the department because we know that uh, all these politicians are working together in terms of corruption. When you look at how the Papita case and the, 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 the information that is coming up, it tells us that most of the politicians are also connected to the, to the, to, 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 to the corruption that is happening in this country. So as we are sitting here, we don't believe them because we are used to their uh, only uh, uh, speaking out but not taking any action. We will believe when we see action it's being happening and we see those who are uh, connected to this corruption taken into, in, in, into books and they are held responsible for what they have done. It seems that what happened at, at Tembisa Hospital in terms of corruption was um, very organized, uh, it seems, from what we understand, to have made some people a, a, a large amount of money. Could this be happening in other, in other hospitals? We believe that it's happening, uh, Stephen, in also in other hospitals. If, if Papita Wama was able to find what was happening in, 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 in Tembisa, and she was suppressed, she was not able she was not listening to when she was blowing the whistle. And you look at how the hospitals around Gauteng and around the country, how they operate. I, I will talk about few hospitals, including Telemukwerane, uh, Rahima Musa. The infrastructure is not right. The treatment is not right. The machinery and the equipment is not good. There's nothing that is 100% running right in the, in, the, in the hospitals. So where did this money go? Where does the budget for hospitals go? It shows us that there is a lot of corruption that continues to happen even now. As, as we are talking. Um, so for you, there's obviously a definite link between corruption in a health department and the treatment that patients get. I mean, today we read that the Chris Honey Baragonov Hospital is out of adrenaline. Now, I don't know if that's related to corruption at all. I doubt it. But there is definitely for you a link between corruption and what actually happens at hospitals in terms of what patients get. Yes, definitely. Because if you if if you if you, you you go back to the case of Tembisa, the money that was supposed to buy PPEs and all the 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 the, the products or the equipments that was supposed to be bought there, it bought skinny jeans. So at the end of the day, in Tembisa Hospital, if I can take you now, Stephen. Patients are sleeping on the floor. Patients are turned away. Patients are sitting there without any help because the the, the equipment is not in. It's not maintained, and uh, people are are not getting a, a medication as they are supposed to get. And also the 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 the, the attitude of uh, healthcare workers within the hospitals also. Uh, uh, also plays a role because they are frustrated also as healthcare workers, but at the end of the day, they are supposed to do their work as they are supposed to. So it, 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 it all goes uh, in one place to say we are in this situation in Gauteng because of the corruption. All the hospitals in, in Gauteng are in shambles because of the corruption. So if we are talking about investigation, we need to investigate all the hospitals to say how is their budget being uh, uh, used 
towards the, the, the hospital. Are there things that needs to be maintained? Maintained the, 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 the equipment that needs to be bought? Is it bought? What is really happening in Gauteng? Corruption, it's, it's killing Gauteng. We know this, that this corruption in Gauteng didn't just start yesterday with the case of Tembisa, but it started a long time ago, around 2009, when Brown Shongwa was still the MEC. And up to today, we are still talking about the Brown Shongwa, who's still around, rooming around, without and being brought to justice. We're thinking that last year he's, the, the case is going to court, but now it's quiet, nothing is happening. So these politicians are always getting away with murder, and at the end of the day, we as poor people, we are suffering most. What would it take to change that, Sibungele, to stop this kind of corruption from happening again in hospitals anywhere in the country? I believe that uh, as people of South Africa, we have power. We have power to change this. We have power to hold the government, uh, the government accountable. We have power to change the current government if we have to. But also, we need to know who will be uh, uh, very truly a leading government, who will not steal from the poor people. But also, we need to blow. We need to protect the, blow, the, the whistleblowers. We need to make noise. We need to make sure that these people who are are corrupt now, are brought to justice. Our, consci- our constitution says we are all equal uh, in the face of the law, but the politicians always get away uh, uh, with murder and get away with corruption that they are making. So we need to also hold them accountable. They need to, brought, to be brought to justice. They need to pay back the money that they've been stolen. That money, it's not like it's not around in, in South Africa. They still have it in their uh, 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 bank accounts and international bank accounts. That money needs to be uh, re, 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 reversed to the people of the South Africa, to the right owners of those, of, of, of those monies. Sibangele Shabalala, thank you very much indeed. National Chair of the Treatment Action Campaign, really appreciate the time bringing an end to your mediated conversation this morning. My thanks also to Nishan Bolton, the uh, chair, chair of the Ahmed Katrada Foundation. Jeff Wicks is an investigative journalist at News24. And starting us off today, Hasina Gori is an SABC reporter and journalist. And we heard, of course, really what we're looking forward to next is what will happen in court this coming Tuesday and whether or not we will finally have a plea agreement between the people accused of killing Babita Diakaran and whether they will name names or not. Who paid them of course will be the big question. Well I'm expecting it to be another busy day today. We'll be watching those coalition discussions closely. I imagine the ANC will be watching them closely as well. We'll also of course continue the conversations around all sorts of other issues through the day.